from KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. That was the scene in Portland, Oregon last night as clashes continue to escalate between protesters and federal forces sent in by the Trump administration to protect federal property. Federal agents have been criticized for using excessive force against civilians and early this morning, agents tear gassed Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler as he was speaking to protesters. The heightened unrest there comes just as President Trump announced that he's sending hundreds of federal law enforcement officers to Chicago and Albuquerque to drive down violent crime as part of the anti-crime initiative Operation Legend. In this segment, we'll talk about the latest developments in Portland and explore when it's lawful for federal forces to police cities. Joining us is Josh Campbell, law enforcement and national security correspondent for CNN. He's also the author of Crossfire Hurricane, Inside Donald Trump's War on the FBI, and he's in Portland now. And Josh, welcome to the program. Thanks. Good morning to you. Great to be with you. Glad to have you. And I know your voice is a little bit, uh, shall we say, compromised by tear gas, and I hope that it will hold out here with us. Uh, we also have Michael Chertoff back with us on Forum, executive chairman and co-founder of the Chertoff Group, former Secretary of Homeland Security under President George W. Bush. He's the author of Exploding Data, Reclaiming Our Cybersecurity in the Digital Age, and Michael Chertoff, good to have you. <clears throat> good to be on. Let me actually begin with you, Michael Chertoff, and let's begin just by talking about the fact that this has been going on for over 50 nights and days in, uh, in Portland. Now the mayor has been tear gas, so it's getting a lot of attention, obviously, and what we're talking about here is federal agents without local support, which many have said exacerbates and escalates the situation. Uh, unmasked, uh, excuse me, unmarked vans and the generic police patches uh, simply detaining people. Some are saying these are like kidnaps, allegations of arrests with no probable cause and people taken away in unmarked cars, uh, use of excessive force. I just want to get right to the heart of it with you. How lawful is this? Well, you know, the government, the federal government does have the authority to protect federal buildings. <clears throat> Part of the mission of the Federal Protective Service is to do that. But it's got to be related to protecting federal property. It's not a license to roam around the street and apprehend people or detain them simply because they might have done something. Additionally, if you're going to deal with the issue of demonstrators, <clears throat> excuse me, and crowd control, you have to be trained how to do that. And I think the um, additional personnel who've been deployed, uh, including people who come from the border, an operational environment at the border, are not really trained to deal with civil demonstrations that have First Amendment protection. And maybe the biggest I think they're having is they're not coordinating with state and locals. I mean, typically, when the federal government gets engaged in a law enforcement operation, it is with the concurrence and coordination of state and local authorities. The acting Homeland Security chief, um, and we're talking about Chad Wolf, has said that um, he has the authority to do this. Um, he, his background is in transportation security, but that's besides the point. But he said uh, that not only is there the authority to do this, but that's been uh, brought out, for example, by uh, Kaylee McEnany, the um, uh, press secretary uh, for President Trump's administration. She says a courthouse is on fire. There were fireworks sent uh, to officers and she cited uh, 40 U.S. Code uh, 1315. I'm not sure what this is, Michael Chertoff, but essentially <clears throat> getting back to what you said, it supposedly gives the right to bring in these federal agents and these federal officers to protect federal property. 
the distinction here that you're making, I think, though, is, is, is the most significant one. It's uh, the right to do that, but not necessarily the right to do things that not only they are not empowered to do, but have no training in doing, like urban policing and crowd control and civil unrest and yeah. all the rest of it. And I think what we've seen on some of the videos and some of the reporting <clears throat> is they've gotten pretty far afield from the actual federal property. Uh, and also the tactics they're using when they want to question somebody or detain them are more of what you would see if you were dealing in, a, in an operational environment involving border conflict rather than in a city. And I think also troubling is the fact that the uniforms resemble military uniforms. I think the military has objected to that. And again, it creates confusion about what the authorities are. And if I go to Josh Campbell on this, uh, Josh, you've been observing everything that's going on. As I said, you've been, I know, hit by tear gas and you've uh, seen the protests. A lot of, a lot of these protesters uh, are, you know, they're, they're, for example, walls of moms. And uh, there are people who are just uh, not at all Antifa people or uh, Radicals, anarchists, they're, they're people who are concerned about what happened uh, and what's been happening in the terms of racial justice. And they're out there for that reason, primarily, uh, at least that's what I'm reading. But you do have probably protesters who are, uh, and this are the reports that are coming in, uh, well, doing some things that are certainly unlawful by any standards. That's right. And, and I think that it's important to look at the timeline first and how these protests began. And this began in the wake of uh, the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis at the hands of police officers. And these protests, we, we saw them across the nation, uh, city by city, including here in Portland. And what started as calls for racial justice, calls for holding police officers accountable, quickly morphed around the July 4th holiday when President Trump sent in federal resources in order to protect federal statues here in the city of Portland. This was a part of an effort that we saw uh, in, in different cities. And you really saw the protest movement begin to shift a bit. They still are calling for racial justice. They're still calling for uh, the end of excessive use of force by police officers. But it took on a new tone where you then saw protesters uh, ordering the federal resources to depart their city. They didn't want to see this influx of federal resources. And night after night, we've seen protests, uh, overwhelmingly peaceful. Uh, during the day, uh, you know, you have crowds that are out. And I think it's important to note, and, and I think it's important because I, you know, I consume a lot of news, and including uh, nearly everything that comes out of the White House. And what's being framed by the White House is that the city of Portland is in a state of bedlam, just utter chaos, which is not the case. We're essentially talking about one city block, downtown Portland, the federal courthouse, where the protesters gather. This is largely the epicenter. And so first, I just want to dispel this rumor for your listeners that Portland is a city under siege. It's simply not the case. But that is the narrative that the president and now senior officials at the Department of Homeland Security are trying to portray, that we're in a state of chaos, and now federal resources have to be dispatched in order to rescue the city of Portland, which is just nonsense. Um, and, and so that, that's important to know. But let me just, just a note here, Josh, if I may, but what, what about the uh, uh, arguments that are coming uh, out of uh, Chad Wolf's office that there have been uh, personnel hit with lasers and with bats and bottles yeah. and uh, fireworks no, that's also it, coming it, from the White House? No, it, it, yeah, it's certainly the case. And, 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 you know, I was going to mention that as well. I mean, it's important to note you can't, 
what the president is trying to do is broad brush this these, this protest movement as a giant group of criminals. And I, and first, I, I think you just can't do that. As you mentioned, you know, there are mothers that are out here, the wall of moms. That said, night after night, especially when the sun goes down, especially when it gets late, you do have rioters. And I call them rioters for a reason, because they are causing utter destruction around this federal courthouse. Last night we were out there. The reason my voice sounds like it does right now uh, is not because I just woke up. It's because we've been tear gassed all night long. And that's because you had uh, uh, rioters that were setting fire outside of this courthouse, that eliciting a response from federal agents inside the building to clear that area using tear gas. And, and so, you know, basically uh, you, you can't broad brush either side. It's not completely peaceful. It's not completely a uh, criminal. Uh, but I will note that that what we're hearing from protesters is it is that federal presence. I interviewed the mayor last night as well, who said the same here in Portland, that that federal presence that increased by President Trump is is fueling a lot of the of the uh, the incendiary uh, actions that we have seen. That's not to let the rioters off. Obviously, anyone who who engages in criminal activity has to be held accountable. But that's just the dynamic right now. And then the last thing I just want to note, just to Secretary Chertoff's point, because this is so important about coordination. You're not seeing coordination here on the ground between local officials and federal officials, which you see in any situation around the country. I mean, you usually see this partnership, this fusion. Right now, city officials say they don't want the federal resources here, this influx. The president, in my view, you know, based on, on the totality of what we're seeing, is attempting to politicize this. You know, We're in election year to say that we're in a state of chaos. This democratic city is in a state of lawlessness. He's trying to save the day. Uh, you have city officials here, the police, uh, including the mayor and others, saying they're not needed. They want to address the protesters without these federal resources here. Josh Campbell, again, is security correspondent for CNN. Josh, your voice sounds fine, I'm glad to say. Let's hear a cut of Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. And we are asking them right this moment. We're demanding that they leave. We demand that the federal government stop occupying our city. And as long as we're talking about occupying cities, uh, let me go back to you, Michael Chertoff, uh, because now we've certainly been told that the president intends to send police forces, or excuse me, to send federal forces, federal agents, uh, to a number of cities. Uh, they've already been sent to Chicago and Albuquerque, <clears throat> FBI, AFT, DEA, U.S. Marshal Service, Homeland Security. Uh, let's talk about the legality of this. They're calling this Operation Legend. It goes back to a four-year-old uh, child who was shot and killed uh, a while back in Kansas City. And the idea here is that agents are going to come in and agents are going to restore order because crime has gone in huge numbers upwards uh, and homicides have gone upwards. Again, the president pretty much casting this as he being the president of law and order. Let's talk about the law here and where it comes in, Michael Chertoff. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is a, a different situation. Portland deals with the question of um, whether there's excessive use of federal resources to deal with crowd control and demonstrations. <clears throat> and as I've said, I think that they've been overused and they're not properly trained in executing the mission. What they're doing in Chicago, and I think the mayor actually said, as long as they're doing this, she's welcoming it, is they're supplementing investigative and prosecutorial resources against gang violence and drug gangs. Frankly, we've done that historically. The federal government has often done that. And what happens is you get the FBI or alcohol, tobacco, and firearms who investigate gangs. Um, and again, in accordance with the Fourth Amendment, the Constitution, 
if there's probable cause to arrest someone, you arrest them and you prosecute them and they go to federal prison. Um, that is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Again, it should be done with cooperation uh, with the state and local authorities. And as I think Mayor Lightfoot said, if they're coming to do investigative work against drug gangs, we welcome it. If they're coming to do crowd control, we don't want it. And I think that's a critical distinction. Yeah, in fact, excuse me, Mayor Lightfoot said uh, we have done uh, a number of partnerships through the years uh, successfully yeah. uh, with, with the federal government, but that's not what's being asked of her here. Well, it's unclear. I mean, what what uh, Operation Legend appears to be is a um, uh, approach to investigating and prosecuting drug gangs. That's what, at least what's been announced, as I've read. Now, if it turns out that something else goes on when people arrive, that's going to be a different story. Well, at this point, I'd like to invite our listeners to join this conversation. I know many of you have some strong sentiments <laughs> about this, and uh, there are uh, over a dozen mayors uh, who have actually asked for, uh, well, deploying the forces against protesters to simply end uh, and called it an abuse of power. But the president is talking about these cities as being overrun by uh, radicals and Democrats. And uh, that seems to be the politicization of this. You may want to weigh in here. And indeed, if you have some thoughts, we'd like to hear what they are. You can give us a call right now at 866-733-6786. Toll free again, 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And some comments are coming in as I speak here. And uh, let me give you a sense of what people are saying. Uh, James writes, uh, there's no denying this is a political gambit by Trump, but the situation in Chicago is dire. Why hasn't Mayor Lightfoot instituted a curfew and requested the National Guard to expand police presence in troubled areas to protect the lives of citizens from gang violence? Uh, Michael Chertoff, can I throw that to you? Well, yes. I mean, I, I don't know whether this is consistent enough in certain areas of Chicago to warrant a curfew. And I, again, I would largely defer to the uh, local police authorities in making that judgment. Now, the National Guard typically does not get brought in unless you're really trying to patrol with respect to street disturbances or things of that sort. And in this case, I, I don't know that the issue is so much street riots or street disturbances as it is shootings and gang warfare. And that typically gets dealt, dealt with with policing, including federal policing. So again, not being that familiar with Chicago, I don't know if there'd be any role for the National Guard to play, but it strikes me as more of a traditional law enforcement mission. Again, Michael Chertoff is executive chair and co-founder of the Chertoff Group and former secretary of Homeland Security under President George W. Bush. And Curtis writes, the most disturbing trend is normalizing unrestricted federal interference in major American cities. Imagine an election that doesn't reelect Trump. How many of these federal agents have now become loyal to the man and not the office of the presidency or the Constitution? We need to get serious about these events quickly. And a tweet from Michael who says, my understanding is that Portland's federal buildings were vandalized night after night for weeks under cover of peaceful protests. This gave Trump an excuse to send in federal law enforcement. Why did Portland's police and state agencies not keep protesters awake? Can I go to you on that, Josh? Josh Campbell? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is certainly a, a fair criticism of officials here in Portland. And what they say is that, and, and you know, it's not just them and talking to protesters as well, is that there was a, a uh, immediate aftermath, a surge of protests around <clears throat> uh, downtown after the death of George Floyd. And then it started to wane. 
And, you know, last night, for example, I'll give you an example. You know, I, I left there about 4.30 this morning, and there were still several hundred people that were out there uh, launching fireworks at the building, uh, setting fires. And the protesters tell me that before the federal, this surge of federal resources, there were maybe a couple dozen people out there at night. And so it was really that moment when the president, you know, sent that surge of resources into the city uh, that really uh, fueled a lot of the fire. Now, that's not to obviously, um, you know, dismiss the the lawlessness that is happening, where you have people that are uh, targeting a federal building, which is obviously a crime. But you know, in law enforcement, I'm uh, look, I'm I'm a former FBI agent. Before I went into journalism, I was with the FBI, and law enforcement is about discretion. Just because you can do something, you have to ask yourself, should you do something? Will the action you take uh, either make a situation worse or whether it will it resolve a situation? And what we're hearing from people here on the ground is that the uh, lawlessness, so to speak, uh, was being resolved. But when the president then weighed in and, and sent that surge of resources in, that then caused the situation to escalate. And that's the state that we're, we are in right now. And again, it goes back to politics, in my view, because we're in an election year. You know, the president saying that that he's going to, you know, send the send in the troops here uh, in order to, uh, you know, change this this uh, situation that's been uh, basically the result of democratic leadership in this city. That's just adding, uh, you know, gasoline on this fire that is already smoldering. Uh, and and that's what we continue to see. And, and you know, been, one one thing. Well, I want to point out that you know we characterizes radical democratic leadership, of course, by the exactly, exactly. And you look at the cities that he's targeted, that he wants to send federal resources in. They're all democratic cities. He said so himself. And not only all uh, democratic and, cities. Excuse me, uh, Josh. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, but they're also cities that are the largest in number disproportionately of African Americans. They are, exactly. And, you know, I was talking to one activist that was outside, a civil rights activist outside the federal courthouse here, who made that, that same point that said, look, you know, these are cities uh, where you have people of color and high populations. And this person said that it actually, and this really struck me, and I had to really, really stop and synthesize this. This person said that actually President Trump doesn't want the riots in the city of Portland to end because he's not going to win the state of Oregon uh, in the election. And so the longer that he can say that, look, this is a state of bedlam, you know, reelect me and I'm going to, to you know, bring law and order, then that's a political benefit. So, so I think that's important to note. I'll also say that, look, we've seen protests around the country uh, following the death of George Floyd uh, in different places. Some of them actually turned violent, not all of them. I, I live in West Hollywood, California. We had protests. You didn't see a massive ongoing destruction, you know, in the Los Angeles area. You did see some. But imagine had the president said, you know, I'm going to send in the feds to L.A., another city that, you know, where you have overwhelmingly Democratic leadership. I think it would have led to the same thing. You don't see him sending resources to other places uh, where you have predominantly white people or you have, you know, predominantly Republican leadership. Uh, you know, I think that there I think you can you can line these cities up and draw a line through them and see where this is headed. And you talk to you know activists on the ground and they, they say that a lot of this is just pure politics. Well, the president has said that this is his sacred obligation to protect the American people. And a number of commentators have said that uh, this might offset his uh, inability to protect uh, American citizens from COVID-19. But let me bring a caller on here. And a caller joining us from Portland is Joseph. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. Yes, I live in Portland. Uh, we are a few miles from the action. And I am happy to report that, um, you know, 
the homes are not burning. <laughs> We're not on fire up here. Uh, we are very good. And so it is not Afghanistan. Um, it is not, you know, only anarchists who hate our country, um, the, what the president said. That's not it at all. These are very good people, most of them, who are doing, you know, their, their constitutional rights to, to protest. Sure, there are some, some people that are, are making trouble, um, but we had it under control. We don't need your help, <laughs> Mr. President. And, um, you know, I want to say lastly, I've had concerned friends from all over the world and the country concerned about us in Portland because of the, the um, you know, the media and the propaganda around all this. And I want to just say, I'm going to make it very clear, we're okay. The kids are still riding their bikes in the neighborhoods. The sun, the sun sh- still shines, and we are good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Glad to hear that. Uh, but there are reports of what happened in Portland. Uh, journalists often focus on individual cases. And I was thinking about Chris David, a U.S. Navy veteran, a uh, graduate of Annapolis, who went up to these federal agents and wanted to ask them what their constitutional argument was for doing what they were doing. And uh, as some of you may have read, he was beaten. He was sprayed with pepper spray. His hand was broken. There was also a, a woman, 52 years old, named Maureen Healy, who was shot in the head uh, with one of those... Um, projectiles, uh, and she was a peaceful protester, actually the uh, head of the history department at Lewis and Clark College. These are the kind of stories that stand out. And in fact, uh, journalist Garrett Graff tweeted this yesterday, and I'd like to get your response, Michael Chertoff. Uh, I'm quoting uh, uh, Garrett Graff on this. He says, two men never confirmed to lead DHS, asked a man never confirmed as general counsel to back a dubious legal theory and deploy the nation's largest and third largest federal law enforcement agencies, both led by men never confirmed for those roles, to Portland. Well, look, I think, you know, first of all, to the comment that was made earlier, I do think that the effect of this um, I, I'd say overuse of force in a, in a way that's not appropriate for dealing with mainly peaceful demonstrators has exacerbated the situation. Maybe it was intended to provoke further violence uh, because certainly it was framed by Donald Trump with you know, clear uh, enunciation that it's Democratic mayors. And the message is not subtle. I also think part of the problem is the way he has run the government in the last four years has been to take almost all the departments and move people in and out very quickly. So all you have is people who are in acting capacity and they don't have the um, institutional support that a confirmed experienced leader would have that frankly would result probably in pushback against some of what the president has done. If you look at the military uh, reaction post what happened in June in Washington with Lafayette Square, uh, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs stepped back and said, you know what? It was wrong to have uniformed people uh, clearing Lafayette Square. We're not going to do it again. We think the Constitution is our highest obligation. But that requires that you have a stable institutionalized leadership. And for people who are really on probation, which is what what President Trump likes to basically tell people, it's harder for them to be able to push back against this overwhelming pressure to kind of do something performative. Well, I'll read a comment from a listener who says, uh, this is Mike, my friend watches Fox News exclusively. She says, we have no idea how violent these demonstrations have been. The mainstream press is spinning a yarn about this being peaceful protest, not to defend the sending in of federal troops, but 
he raises the question, how bad has the violence been in reality? And I just want to mention, since we've been talking about President Trump and his role in this, he has blamed the governors and mayors for not keeping homicides uh, in check. They are out of control. The large numbers uh, of homicides in many of these cities have gone up. And uh, the president has said, again, putting this politically, the radical left Democrats who totally control Biden will destroy the country as we know it. That's a direct quote. Let me bring another caller on. That's Kelly from Petaluma. Kelly, you're on the air. Hi there. Um, I just have a question about Chicago. You know, after seeing what's going on in Portland, I have family in Portland, and they're doing great. One of them is uh, part of the mom wall. Um, to see federal agency brought in uh, against the will of the people and against the will of the mayor and have them attacked, for Trump to say that he's going to be doing this to more cities across the country, and then to have Chicago say, oh, yes, those federal agents, they're coming in, but they're really just to bolster investigative resources and crack down on gang violence. That's a completely separate issue. The timing is horrible if that's really what they're there for. Are the American people really expected to believe that that's what the federal agents are going to be used for when they arrive? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Kelly, I thank you for bringing that up. And I want to go back to you on this, Michael Chertoff, because uh, I'm looking at a question from another listener kind of dovetails. Susan says, how many more cities will they invade? Will they leave prior to the elections? Will they leave after the elections? Are they finally go doing what many of us have feared, taking over the country one step at a time? I know that sounds alarmist and maybe hyperbolic, but there are many people who are worried about where this can lead. And since sure. you were once in the head of the Department of Homeland Security and actually a deputy attorney general, and you've got an attorney general now who uh, I think many would argue forcefully is pretty much President Trump's Roy Cohen, uh, or certainly rubber stamps what the president wants. Where do you see all this leading? So I, I first of all, I agree that what, what appears to be happening in Chicago is, is different than Portland and something that would be done in coordination with state and locals. But look, there's lurk, lurking behind this another issue which we do have to be aware of. As we get to election day, <clears throat> I think there are people who are concerned that there might be an effort to create the illusion of some disturbance or problem, whether it's a, a spike in the virus or whether it's violence from, quote, Antifa. And the reaction would then be to deploy police around polling places, which would really have the effect of maybe deterring or scaring people away from voting. It's very important that state and local voting officials um, take all the steps necessary to make sure that they have control over voting uh, and polling places. In fact, we probably need more polling places because people will be a little bit concerned about the virus. And again, this is a good reason to offer mail-in voting for people who want it. And contrary to the allegations that there's massive fraud, that's never been demonstrated and it's nonsense. No, so I know this has been a, a major uh, concern of yours and uh, thank you for doing some yeoman work on this score. But I'd like to, before we wrap up here, I'd just like to ask you about the uh, concern about authoritarianism here. I mean, uh, Tom Friedman's been talking about the uh, playbook of Bashar al-Assad and uh, Charlie Pearson uh, Esquire is talking about this is right out of Pinochet's uh, playbook. To some extent, they have a, val a valid argument, don't they? Well, the, I'm, it may be that the impulse is the same for, as we've seen with the military and the courts. We have strong institutions that resist it. But certainly, it's a little bit alarming to see someone who wants to gin up a provocation um, because we've seen that before, and it's often an effort to impose authoritarian uh, consequences. Yeah, well, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Michael Chertoff, always good to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Josh Campbell. 
And thank you, our listeners. We're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum with Mina Kim. I'm Michael Krasny. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.